listening to the Broadcast Basement On Demand Radio Network. It's the podcast in the Broadcast Basement. Hey gang, Chris here. I just want to take a quick moment and say thank you. Thank you for the support. Thank you for listening. And thank you for subscribing. But I also want to warn you that if you aren't subscribed to this podcast, you may be missing episodes. A lot of people follow us on social media, but sometimes our tweet with the link doesn't show up in your feed. Some of you follow our Facebook page or follow a Facebook group where we share the link. But Facebook tries to hide those page shares in an effort to shake us down for money. And if they see me sharing it in a group, they suspend me for weeks on end. That means you miss episodes. Don't miss episodes anymore. If you have an iPhone, there's a little purple podcast button. And if you don't have it anymore, just go into the App Store, download it for free. If you have an Android phone, click on Google Play, search podcast, pick an app that you like, Spotify works, go into these apps, search the name of the show, and hit subscribe. Now you'll never miss anything. Thanks for subscribing. You keep listening, we'll keep making them. We could talk about the matches that happened before the big one going up the uh, the building up in uh, Stanford, Connecticut. But I think that that would do no justice to what we actually watched. I, that's really what anybody is talking about right now. There were there were literally two wrestlers that died, depending on how they're going to spin it. Two were murdered by Baron Corbin. He murdered two wrestlers in cold blood and threw them off the top of a building to their uh, to their to their death. Okay. <laughs> Um, <laughs> the, the, the weirdest, and I guarantee you they probably taped that like six times before they got it right. The weirdest way ever that anybody ever wins the men's money in the bank, I believe, with the fumbled case. And then there, there quite possibly it could have been, um, it went from PG-13 to possibly R-rated for a half a second as Carmella moonwalked very close to a camera and uh, seemed to be slipping out of her outfit. I've seen multiple screenshots on Twitter. So it was a very interesting uh, romp through the building. What were your thoughts on that? Well, first of all, I think uh, Corey Graves will be uh, watching you because if you keep uh, mouth-watering over Carmella, he's going to come by and uh, say hello. In, uh, that's the whole purpose, though. Look, that's the whole purpose <laughs> of what she was doing. Like, let's be honest. She was there for every uh, 14-year-old boy's fantasy. She wasn't really a factor in it. They knocked her out halfway through it. That outfit was ridiculous. I, that, that was specifically meant to keep your attention there for whatever it was. That's what it was there for. She was she was like what what she was wearing and what she was used for was the same way that let's say the sexy female wrestlers of the late 90s would have been used before they they actually started becoming wrestlers. That's what her mm-hmm. role was in that match. That you know, so he can't be mad at me for that because that's what the intention was. Clearly <laughs> yeah, but that match anyway was so much fun. I, I called it an entertaining mess, and it, it was almost seemed like WWE was listening to our podcast a few weeks ago, episode fourteen, in fact, where we talked about some of the crazy interactions in the office building and some of the cameos that we saw, and we got to see 
folks like Brother Love in the bathroom, uh, Paul Amon eating catering, Johnny Ace or John Laurinaitis made an appearance, Stephanie McMahon, and then Vince McMahon's office uh, segment was pretty funny with uh, AJ Styles and Daniel Bryan. And then there was this guy, that, for whatever reason, he was just randomly dressed up as Doink. Yeah. So we had all kinds of silly guests. And then we also had Oscar screaming at a janitor. Otis started the big food fight in Paul Heyman's room. And then King Corbin broke a mirror in the gym with a weight. And even to start the women's match, we had Asuka jumping off like a, the second floor onto all the other women. You forget the, maybe one of the best visuals that happened in it, and I'll go back to our girl here we were just talking about, when Carmella puts her own picture through Dana Brooke and like her oh, head is right. sticking up yeah. and then she shows up later on in the match and still has the thing wrapped around her, which was like, <laughs> that was just that was just funny. Now, the thing I noticed was, and I'm sure anybody with a keen eye noticed, the only people that did the cameos are people that would, let's say, be an everyday participant in WWE right now behind the scenes. Those are like yeah. the essential workers. All those people, all those folks work full time for WWE. Nobody was really able to get onto a plane and come out for a crazy surprise thing. Like you didn't see mankind there, right? You know, you didn't or see, Hacksaw, yeah, you didn't see, Hacks, you didn't Let see those guys. Four. These are all guys that work behind the scenes. And some of them, if you notice, there was probably a little camera trickery with Stephanie, Stephanie McMahon. I don't think she was there because you never see her in the shot. And I think that, uh, you know, as a mother that's got children, she might be like, I'm not going to expose myself. I haven't exposed myself to anybody at this point. Because I didn't see her actually come into contact with anybody for the same reason that Vince really kind of stands back from his wrestlers in in the actual scene that he's in. And it's only two guys that come in. And it's like, I, I'm also thrown off by the fact that he has half a Tyrannosaurus Rex head in his office. Like, that's crazy. Heard, that's crazy money. You have crazy money when you have a dinosaur skull in your office. Yeah, uh, I, I've heard that rumor. I guess the rumor is no longer a rumor. It's fact. But yeah, he does have crazy money. And, and I'm sure some of these people who just got released a few weeks ago are wondering, like, oh, yeah, he's got this big dinosaur head in his office. Why couldn't he keep <laughs> me on board? I, uh, there should have been a tweet where somebody sent out a picture of themselves saying, which one's more valuable? It would be like a dinosaur head in the, in the actual person. But uh, let's get to the let's get to the, the crazy uh, murders, because that, oh, I hope the, I hope the, I hope WWE like I thought it was really interesting that uh, um that there was a theory, there's a theory already being floated that Rey Mysterio was going to leave anyway, so they killed him off. And <laughs> and that Aleister Black has been slowly but surely working his way towards being like the next guy who's got like the unholy powers of The Undertaker, so he's mm -hmm. dead as well now. And I, you know, we all know there was a mat on the other side. You can actually see it that they that yeah, they we, had a big we, mat we set up there. Heard them hit something pretty yeah, quickly. Yeah, too. they hit so very like quickly. And, right, it was a really good stunt, and it was really cool. But it, it, depending on how they play it, you could have that Baron Corder, Corbin murder two people, and I'd be cool with it at this point. You need material during the pandemic, and if Baron Corbin is a murderer who killed two wrestlers. I think it just adds to his character. I'm totally down with it if that's what they do. Well, SmackDown could be pretty interesting if that happens. Maybe you bring in a little, maybe you bring a judge in or whatever. Right. Well, I want to hear Tongo makes appearance. I want to hear the bell toll 20 times because two wrestlers died on the show. That's what oh, I want. Kick off Raw tonight with their pictures up there. It'd be amazing. Like, what oh, the heck, horrible. Vince? Go no, you can do that. Come on. He would have done that in the late 90s. Vince would have done that in the late 90s. Whoa. 
Okay. Well, if you remember, Vince killed himself in a limousine. Right. But that, obviously that was scrapped because the week later, the whole Chris Benoit thing happened. Oh, well, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It was a little crazy. Vince uh, blew himself up in the limo. So it, there, I guess there is precedence for I it. Had, I, had saw, I saw somebody's comment that there are now three WWE wrestlers that have been murdered. Uh, because if you count the fact that AJ Styles was killed by The Undertaker and then just came back to TV the next week, he's actually undead walking around. Like that storyline. Yeah, yeah, he's the zombie <laughs> AJ Styles. They actually had like action figures like that <laughs> when there were zombies. We were pretty funny. All right. So uh, before we get to our guest, and we're going to have her on here in just a moment, um, uh, your reaction to the ending because of both of them, because I had Asuka. I remember. Yeah, you nailed that. it. I, I nailed yeah. that. And I thought I had nailed the other one because I said whoever the surprise entrant was, which was AJ Styles at the end. If I'm not I mistaken about that. Yeah, yeah. I thought I had. AJ. Yeah, I thought I had both <laughs> of them until the briefcase comes out and lands in Otis's hands. And I want to know what your reaction to it was. I feel like they got the women's side dead on. That's what I thought was going to end up happening. I can't believe though that Otis gets a case. That makes no sense to me. Totally shocked about the Otis thing. Uh, I guess it's kind of appropriate that it fell into his hands rather than him trying to climb the ladder. Because if you notice earlier on, he was trying to climb and all the rungs were breaking as he was going <laughs> up. So, yeah, I mean, I, I guess the fluky ending made sense there. I guess no one had control of the case until it fell into Otis's hands. It's like one of those NFL replay right. reviews where they go upstairs and look at each angle. Like After further review, Otis had control of the case. Therefore, he is the winner of Money in the Bank. So. Right. And that's one of those endings. I was laughing to myself. Like, that's probably an ending that somebody's had rolling around their head for decades. And then they were like, hey, we can actually do a Money in the Bank without a crowd so we can film that three, four times to get it right. And that was probably like, this is one of those endings you could only get away with in this circumstance. So why not do it? That's what I kind mm -hmm. of felt like it was. And I think Vince really likes... Otis and he's really like the storyline. I think that's probably why they, they went a little crazy with it, gave it to him. I mean, the whole Mandy Rose, Sonya Deville, Dolph Ziggler right. story, I think has been I one of the best it, things Mandy. on SmackDown. I did it, Mandy. <laughs> oh my goodness. All right. Let's, uh, uh, who's your guest today? And we'll give her a chance to call in. Cause I know she's sitting there listening. Okay, sure. Uh, today we're going to talk to Missa Kate. She's known as Chicago sweetheart. And she has been active, um, well, before the pandemic, she has been active on several Chicago promotions. We'll get that. We will get into that once we have her on the line. Oh, we I got believe. her. She's ready. She jumped right in. She's a pro. Uh, Missa, how are you? <laughs> I'm good. How are you? Sorry, I was trying to let stay back. Let him give the intro. <laughs> you know, I, I um, good afternoon, Melissa. <laughs> before, good afternoon. Before we get into all of Mike's questions, knowing that I had you coming on the show, and after watching that last night, I always wanted to ask a female wrestler, a professional wrestler, this question. How do you go out and perform in an outfit like Carmella was wearing? I just got to know that. Like, <laughs> like because well, the entire be time fair. she's got to be trying to make sure that it stays on. And I can't imagine yeah. that every female wrestler in the world will be like, yeah, I totally wear that. Like, I'm sure there's some of them that are like, not a chance. I don't know what she's thinking. Yeah, I mean, and this is not like not a shot towards her, but I I have a little bit more curve than she does, so I have a lot more stuff that would be popping out if I tried that on. Right. But um, yeah, but I mean, I personally I would try not to be putting myself in that predicament. But there are like, yeah, definitely you can't help it. I mean, I know I tried shorts before. And it's just the whole time you're just getting like wedgies and you got to be pulling them out. And I'm like, oh, this is not attractive. 
and just like it's just something that's the last thing you want to do is be having a match and then worrying about your gear so it's frustrating but I mean that's kind of on her because she already knew what she was kind of getting herself into wearing that so I mean I don't know there's 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 tricks and tips I guess between like boob tape and just like double triple lining and stuff like that but I mean if it's it's gonna do what it's gonna want to do at the end of the day right <laughs> well the thing is I keep one I also wonder whether or not is that something where I mean because you're in the business is that something where you get pressured by somebody like hey we we're looking for this angle has anybody ever tried to tell you like hey uh, wear less or is that is that a personal thing where she's like yeah I'm totally doing this because I can pull it off um it could be both i know more in the indies obviously you're uh exactly what it sounds like you're independent so you kind of have your own choice to do what you want uh make your own gear sort of thing i mean when i first started out i had my trainer because i was overweight um i had somebody tell me that i should uh wear one piece so i had that to deal with (laughs) but i mean other than that um pretty much on the indies you kind of do what you want and you get suggestions from people and you're always going to get their opinions but i mean once you get to a higher level definitely i feel like they definitely tell you um i know they tell you how to put your makeup on a certain way you gotta get extensions and like all this other crazy crap because you know you want to look like a star so i understand why they do it um but i mean yeah i mean on the indies no not so much but when you get to a higher level definitely so i mean but as far as like if it goes with your character um on a higher level yeah definitely they'll tell you like oh dress like this Guess you gotta what? be this more is, revealing this is your role. yeah <laughs> yeah exactly you're supposed to be a slut so you know you gotta kind of show a little bit more skin or you're supposed to be conservative or whatever the case is so yeah they'll tell you there and i mean they're paying you pretty well and you're under contract so it kind of sucks that's kind of you either bite the bullet and go with it or you whatever happens. I don't, I don't know. I'm not right. there, but no, no, I get it. I get, it. I, <laughs> get what yeah. you're, I get what you're saying. Yeah. So Melissa, uh, you started training under Steve Boz of Chicago star wrestling, correct? Yes. And then you went on to uh, freelance Academy shortly after that. Tell me a little bit about your experiences with Steve and as well as currently with freelance with guys like Matt Nix, Bryce Benjamin and Isaiah Velasquez. Sure. Um, so Steve uh, or Boz, whatever you want to call him, he is very old school. So that's, uh, I remember right before I started training, um, I was looking for schools in the area. He's the only one that popped up and me being a female, I'm like, I'm going to check out this place and not just like sign my life away. So <laughs> I checked out like a day there and everyone seemed really cool. The guys were really, um, accepting or like, Oh, Hey, are you going to come join us? Um, so I did, and yeah, he's a very old school type of wrestler. A lot of elbow drops, a lot of leg drops, um, stuff like that. Uh, so that was really fun, like learning that aspect. And then like the environment there was really cool. And then going on to freelance, um, I mainly tra- uh, train under Bryce Benjamin. Uh, Isaiah Velasquez more so trains the beginner classes. Okay. Um, so not saying like I'm, I'm above like learning fundamentals. I feel like everybody should, but it's just, it was better with my schedule and whatnot. And um, so Bryce, he, he's kind of like, he teaches a little bit of everything um, from like striking and some Lucha Libre stuff, which that was, that was, uh, that was hard for me because <laughs> my body's <laughs> like, I don't know what's going on. I don't do this. <laughs> I don't, I'm not supposed to do this way. But yeah, so I mean, it's definitely different styles. And I mean, 
I like them both because I, I want to be as well-rounded as I can. And I feel like, uh, I mean, everyone's going to have their niche. And I feel like I found mine more so at freelance because um, we did more grappling. So I was told without even knowing that I'm like more of a grappler now. I was like, oh, that's cool. I, I didn't even know really what this stuff was, but okay. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I mean, it's it's different. And yeah, I'm happy I got to experience both. Yeah, so who were your wrestling influences and uh, who got you into the business? So um, anybody who knows me is probably annoyed by hearing this. Um, but <laughs> Lita, definitely. Um, I just saw her and I was just so hooked, mainly because not even like for her like wrestling abilities, I guess, but more so because I was just like, she was different. She wasn't wearing, uh, even though she was wearing a thong, she wasn't wearing a bikini and like wrestling like that, or she wasn't a blonde bimbo. She was fiery redhead that wasn't scared to do anything. And she was like throwing it down with the guys and all this stuff. So I was like, oh my God, she's a badass. Like I want to be that. Um, and I was a tomboy, so I, I obviously I connected right away. So, I mean, there's that. And then, I mean, as you get into the business, you kind of have, um, a different perspective. So once I got into the business, I started looking, which is funny. I got more into heels. So like edge and rainy Orton, I'm like, oh my God, these guys are amazing. Um, but I mean, yeah, I have different favorites for different reasons. Mm-hmm. I like the Lita thing because, um, I would imagine there's a lot of female wrestlers that were drawn to her because of just what you just said. You know, the the idea that she looked different. She looked different Mm -hmm. and she was wrestling against the guys. Remember, I think she came out originally with the Hardy Boys as like their manager, but very quickly was doing the exact same moves as them. And I can imagine that resonated a lot with a young woman. Yeah, I mean, well, uh, she originally came out with S.A. Rios because that's right, where the okay. Lucha Libre style came. Yeah, so she would, like, copy him. Like, he would do Moonsault, she would do Moonsault or whatever. And then whatever storyline happened, and then she ended up with the Hardys, which ended up being Team Extreme. Sorry, I'm a nerd. So, <laughs> you know your history, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but um, no, so she, yeah, and I had a crush on Jeff Hardy, too, so that helped. But, well, who doesn't have a crush on Jeff Hardy? Yeah. I, I have one. <laughs> but old, 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 yeah, older Jeff Hardy, not so much now. But, <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, no offense to him, but. No, yeah, they just like, but yeah, that for me at least, because I was a tomboy and me, like in my real life, I always like, I played sports. I always got along with guys better than girls because I wasn't really into the um, girly stuff, however, depending on how you feel that is or what that is. But um, I would literally wrestle the guys in the snow at my like school at the blacktop and stuff like that so I'm just like and a lot of girls weren't doing that so obviously when I see that portrayed on tv I'm like oh hey that's it's kind of me so yeah that for me at least personally that's where I gravitated towards her uh, Melissa to kind of um pile on to that uh you and wrestling guys the one match I actually saw you live wrestling was in a six-person match with five other guys it was at uh, Frontline, <laughs> was at Frontline Pro in Oak Lawn yeah uh, tell mm-hmm. me about that experience a little bit. Um, so that was actually really exciting for me. I, it was originally supposed to be a triple threat between myself, Sierra, and Vanessa Azor. But I don't know if they they had uh, reasons why they couldn't be there. So, I mean, uh, Ben, who is the um, booker and the, one of the owners of Frontline, he's like, hey, sorry, just so you know, um, they can't make it. 
but we have this other match that we could throw you in if you're up for it. If not, I totally understand. I'm like, hell yeah, like throw me in there. I'm down. So I was really excited um, to work with those guys. And it's kind of, it was kind of beneficial for me because I'm the only girl in the match. So obviously they're all like, hey, I want to do this with you. I want to do that. Which partially to me, I'm like, oh my God, this is terrifying. But (laughs) don't forget anything. But um, no, it was like fun at the end of the day. And they were very, I would love to have like singles with each of those guys. Um, But yeah, I was, it was, it was fun. And it was different because that was the first time that I guess I've ever had that experience. Is there a different challenge? Is there like a different, is it, it... Like describe the challenge to me when you're in an inter intergender match because I can imagine that while it's exciting because you're getting to try out new things, it also has to not only be there's probably a little bit of stress on the guy's side because they're like, can I can I throw her the same way I throw a three hundred pound <laughs> dude? And then there's probably a little yeah. bit with you because you're like, how do I pull this off and also make everything believable and hang in? And you're probably also like, okay. This is going to be interesting. Like, I, we're, are we locking up the same way? Like, uh, to get, kind of take me through that because I'm I'm fascinated by it. Mike's always bringing up these intergender matches, and I'm always like, mm-hmm. that, oh, yeah. you know, they, you don't see them at the, at the higher levels as much as you see them on the independent scene. And I'm I'm fascinated by the the whole thing behind it and what it's like for the wrestlers. Um, it's definitely different. I feel like there's challenges in both. Um, for example, when you go to like, say, for me, I train with guys. So when we split up into pairs or whatever, you have someone who's like a base, which obviously is the one that, you know, kind of like throws you around and whatnot. So I'm usually, I've been trying to train to be a base for females because I feel like there's a lack of that on the indie scene for women. Um, But luckily like the girls that I train with, we're all trying to, we all recognize that. So we're all trying to make that a strength for us. But um, yeah, I mean, but there's not a lot of females that can base. So for the, when I'm working, you know, women on the independency and that's where that becomes difficult. But then again, it's easy when I'm working with a guy most of the time. Um, not every guy's strong though, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> oh, I, want a list. I want a list right now of who Miss K thinks is not a strong enough guy. <laughs> I want to right now no, on this I podcast, don't... we're going to start trending in Chicago land. Let's do it. No, well, here's the thing. I'm not, I'm not a small girl. Like I'm not like a five foot two, like snooky looking little girl. Like I'm, I'm, a, I'm five, six, I'm one fifty. Like I'm not light. I'm not little. So I know like if I'm usually matched up with a guy who's like my size, um, I mean, they're the ones that are usually being the flyers. So they're not used to being a base either. So, I mean, not maybe, maybe me saying that they're not strong is the wrong way to it's say it. It's too late. But we're saving it. We're, putting, we're saving it. We're putting the clip out. It's going to be amazing. <laughs> Go for it. I'm, I'm, give me some heat. Um, no, I'm kidding. Please don't. <laughs> but um, no, but um, so, yeah, I mean, but when it works with when I work with guys at the end of the day, you want the match to make sense. There has to be a story no matter who you're up against. But um yeah, definitely making sure it makes sense at the end of the day, because if I am visually, you know, psychologically watching it as a fan, you're thinking she she's a girl, he's a guy like he should be able to beat her ass because ABC, whatever. So you got to keep that in mind, even though you as a wrestler know that that's not always true. Um, and so you just kind of got to it's a lot to play with and it depends on the size of people. but. Um, 
yeah, it's it definitely it depends on a lot. But yeah, you definitely want to make it, or at least for me, you want to make it as realistic as you can. I know there are people that are just kind of like, oh, um, even though we're we're both wrestlers, we could do everything and anything. It's like, no, you still want to have it kind of make sense. And I feel like uh, right now in the Indies, it's kind of like lost a little bit because everyone just wants to do flippy, flappy bullcrap. Um, and they just want to get like, I don't know. They just want to be like all pretty and all this other stuff, which is great for them. So, but for me, I'm like, I'd rather stay on the ground. So I'm like, where my... I guess where I like where I benefit is I try to make the story more important because I can't do flips. But yeah. So I mean, yeah, I don't know if that helped answer your question. I'm sorry. I'm kind of like rambling. No, that was that was very insightful because it really kind of gives the idea that you're you're you you seem to gravitate towards doing things your way. Like you almost see like, hey, there's too many of this and I'd be more comfortable being in my own thing. And that that probably benefits you an awful lot. So I get that. I get what you were trying to say there. Okay, thank you. I mean, yeah, I mean, I I do. Obviously, I feel like everyone should pay, play towards their strengths. And if I know I'm going to be on a show with some dude that's 110, that could do like 20, 380s, 60s, whatever the hell they're called in the air, and I can't do that. I'm not going to be the one flipping, flapping around. I'm going to leave that to him. <laughs> I'll say I'll be the ground and pound kind of chick. Like, that's fine with me. But, um, yeah, I mean, it depends. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I feel like everyone should pay, play towards their strengths. And, like, in anything, I feel like there's always trends. So, right now, like I was saying, like, the trend in wrestling is everyone gets pile-driven. They stand back up. They get forfeit whatever like it goes into like a long sequence and i'm just like dude if you pop if you like you're breaking his neck why is he standing up like i'm so confused <laughs> i'm with you there i'm totally with you yeah sell a little bit yeah or something like yeah. even um i've worked people that like what, what was the match that we just i just saw i think it was the edge and orton match where and this is where i'm saying i especially them together i love them um he edge gave something to randy on the outside and they both sold it because it was on the outside and what as a fan what does that make you do be like holy shit they got hurt mm -hmm. so you know you're invested in the match but that you want to get that same feeling if edge gave it to him stood up and was like yeah i just did that yeah <laughs> you know what i mean like it just yeah but so, uh, <laughs> sorry. Looking, looking at your career a little bit, uh, Melissa, your your first career match was against Shotzi Blackheart, and then you also wrestled her in one of her final independent wrestling matches before she went to NXT. What was that experience like in your first match with Shotzi? How was Shotzi toward you? And then, and obviously, first time in a ring in a live match, uh, what was going through your mind and your body at that point? Um, terror. <laughs> <laughs> um but um no she was she like she's a sweetheart like to this day like I can't say a bad thing about her she took care of me so well she went over like I, I remember being like so scared I'm like I'm sorry can we just talk about this one more time she's like yeah as many times as you need like I get it because she's someone that is very not to say other people aren't but um she's someone that's very understanding 
and being like, yeah, I know I was there once too. I was shitting my pants. Oops, sorry. I was trying not to swear. I was doing good. Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> yeah, but you're a wrestler and it's cool. We'll be edgy this week. Okay. We're going to be edgy this week. We're going to be edgy this week. We're going to let you swear yeah. and we're going to make sure that we highlight the fact you called out all the weak men <laughs> in Chicagoland. Okay. All right. That sounds good. <laughs> Chris, you're going to bury her but, um, now. <laughs> it's okay. It's all right. It was just, you'll be on my list of other people that bury me. It's okay. But, um... <laughs> But <laughs> I was doing so good. Anyway, no, so pretty much she was awesome, but she understood like everybody has their first match and is scared. Um, even after the match, she was like, How are you okay? Because she was telling me how, and I, I don't want to like break her stuff. No one's supposed to know this, but she was like, Yeah, after my first match, like I cried. So she came to me right after, maybe to see if I was going to do that. And I was just like, so like, and I was more so just like, holy crap, I just got my first match out of the way. Like I did it, you know? So I was kind of in that awe where I didn't cry until like maybe like an hour after I was like, oh my God, this is horrible. I did so bad. But, <laughs> um, <laughs> but fast forwarding to um, the last match that her and I had, which was one of her last matches um, on the Indies. I was just, I think I was so excited and to be like, um, you know, I've learned so much. I'm like, we could actually do stuff and like get a little crazy and maybe it went a little bit too much. <laughs> um, and I mean, I got overzealous pretty much, but um, we, we did what we did. It wasn't the five, five star match that I wanted to have with her, but I mean, she as far as I know she didn't everything was okay um it was so fun and being able to like share the ring with her before she left again I'm a very uh corny person so to me I was like oh this is like beautiful like she was my first match and now I'm one of her last so yeah um it was it was it was awesome Mike we're up against the clock so you got to look down that list Mike always prepares he's got a list I can't even see oh, him I'm sorry no I no no I can't much. even see him. No, no, you're talking fine. But Mike always comes over prepared. So he's got like this giant list that he keeps in front of him of like every yeah, question okay. he could possibly ask. I like, like that though. Because he's, like he's a journalist. He's like one of those guys he wrote for newspapers. Uh, he's a journalist. Me, I'm just an idiot sitting in my basement. I haven't even put on pants yet today. <laughs> I got up an hour ago. So there's two very different I'm styles I'm somewhere in between. <laughs> I'm somewhere in between where I'm like, what are they going to ask me? But I'm still like, I just woke up like probably about 30 minutes before this podcast. So yeah, there's there's definitely a question I want to ask, and I've been wanting to ask local talent this for a while. So basically, while you're working the independent scene in the area, do you actually do uh, like a, a nine to five job during the week? And obviously you told me you had a final earlier this week, too. <laughs> so classes as well. I mean, what, what is your regular life outside of wrestling like? And how do you All balance right. that? Yeah. So before, okay. So you got to get ready for this. So before everyone says I'm insane before rest or before this quarantine happened, I was, um, full-time student. I worked around 20 plus hours a week. And then, so pretty much what my schedule would look like weekly is Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I'd work all day. After that, I'd go, um, home, do some homework, uh, go to the gym, go home, go to sleep. And then from there on Tuesdays and Thursdays, I would have uh, school in the morning. So I would go downtown, which is about an hour away, um, be there for like five, six hours of classes. From there, I would drive straight to uh, training 
um, and then train for however many hours we train. Well, in between, I would do homework too. Like I would have like a little, I would have a little gap to do homework. But um, after that, I would go for however many hours we would train and then go home. And sometimes I wouldn't get home until, I don't know, two, three in the morning. And then I have to wake up for work. Uh, I would start work at, what time would I start work? That's how long we've been in quarantine. I don't even remember. <laughs> but I think I would start, I would start around 8.30 in the morning. So there'd be nights where I, I would get, between four it would be less than six hours of sleep definitely every night and then you would have shows on the weekends and then if I didn't have shows all three days I would try to at least get another training session in there somehow but yeah that was my schedule (laughs) so now I'm not doing anything so I'm kind of going a little insane but (laughs) it's okay Yeah, we just keep we just keep saying that to each other. That it's, it's okay, but yeah, we're all losing. Our yeah, minds. we're gonna be okay. It's only temporary. That's what I keep telling myself. I want to say thanks very much for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. I know Mike is appreciative of it, and uh, uh-huh. and hopefully yeah. at one point when this quarantine is over, thank you, Melissa. You can we can oh, we yeah, can no we can do a much longer interview or something like that in person because this this is terrible to me. This whole like over online thing drives me absolutely nuts. No, yeah, me yeah. too. I'm the least tech savvy person, but I mean, I got nothing going on. So if you guys don't have anyone, I'm always, you know, available. <laughs> but thank you. I appreciate this so much. This is fun.